Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. Hello, Buglers, and it gives me great pleasure for the first time in four years to welcome you not just to the Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world, but also to a visual world in which the de facto leader of the free bit of that digital world is not a cast-iron sociopath with a fundamentalist commitment to the untrue. It's the beginning of the rest of time, people, if we may exaggerate very slightly. I'm Andy Zaltzman, reporting to you live from the shed in South London, where I have been stationed at 4am for nine of the last 12 days for the BBC cricket coverage. So please bear in mind that there is a considerably better than zero chance that I will A, fall asleep, B, start reciting cricket statistics, uh, or C, hallucinate that I'm being attacked by nocturnal pigeons, or D, do all three of those things before waking up shouting, I just had this terrible nightmare that American democracy had committed ritual suicide. And joining me from a country no longer be presidented by all-time all-American being impeached champion Donald J. Trump, it's NATO Green. Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. Uh, it's so great to be with you um, in this era. You know, w- uh, what you're getting up and reciting cricket stats at four in the morning uh, is a form of torture under the Geneva Convention. <laughs> I think they used, used it to crack prisoners in Guantanamo. Right. Well, if, 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 I mean, if that's what Guantanamo is like, then book me in. <laughs> book me in. Get me the Dutch National One Day Kit and book me in. Um, uh, and also joining us from up the road here in London, it's Nish Kumar. Hello, Andy. Hello, NATO. Hello, Buglers. Andy, I would absolutely love to castigate you for choosing to spend your time in this manner. Unfortunately, uh, last Monday, I stayed up all night watching <laughs> the final day of the India-Australia Test Match uh, in Brisbane. And... Um, you know, I stayed up the whole night. Uh, it was uh, it was an amazing result, uh, but it it really makes you think about how you're spending your time when yep. uh, you're turning into bed at eight a.m. having spent a night watching cricket. And what's worse about that is, Andy, you are getting paid to do that. That is a job. <laughs> I stayed up all night watching cricket pro bono. <laughs> and let me tell you, by the end, I did sustain quite a substantial bono because there is. <laughs> Almost nothing more sexual than watching Australia lose at cricket to me. <laughs> That's, that, that is how I get my jollies. <laughs> Isn't that what the movie Eyes Wide Shut is about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in Fifty Shades of Grey, when he says his tastes are somewhat unusual. That's what he's referring to. He's referring to watching Australia lose at cricket. <laughs> Um, in Eyes Wide Shut, actually, um, a little uh, a reference uh, to cricket. The um, uh, part of Tom uh, Tom Cruise's friend is played by Colin Dredge, the former Somerset medium pace bowler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but that, that, I mean, that, that's that Test match in Australia, Nish, the uh, India Australia. I mean, that, that that showed everything that is great about. And that was like an evolving month long novel yeah. that ended up with Australia losing at cricket. So I mean, it was you know it was. It was a cross between and, and uh, there Neville is Carlson no and Henry Miller. That would not be improved by it ending with Australia losing at cricket. <laughs> War and peace and Australia losing at cricket. Crime and punishment for Australia because they lost at cricket. These are all improvements. Uh, I feel like whenever I'm on, I have to ask an incredibly stupid and basic question about cricket. That, that's fine. Uh, yep. Uh, so it's all part of your uh, induction. 
<laughs> so I I only hear you talk about cricket yeah. test matches. Yes. Which to to my American ears sounds a lot like when they ask you to pre-board the plane. Right. Uh, <laughs> so is do you ever graduate to the real match or is it all previews? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, in this case, NATO, the word test is not used in its meaning of a trial run. It's used as in the same context as test your patience. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a, a trial run, like, more like a, a, a trial in court. In that it, can, it can last for days and often end up with no decisive result. So, so it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, well, we've talked about it enough on this show over the years, but it is a five-day release from reality, and God, we all need that at the moment. Um, this uh, is Bugle issue 4181. Coincidentally, the number of computer simulations of the life of Rudolf Giuliani needed to come up with a version that has gone shitter than the real one over the past ten years. <laughs> Uh, we are recording on the 25th of January 2021, meaning it is exactly 2,000 years since Jesus Christ got back from an extended month-long 21st birthday celebration in Magaluf and Ibiza, according to the recently published addendum to the Gospel according to St Alvin. Uh, the birthday jaunt included the miracle of the tequila slammer, the parable of the peanuts and the shot glass, and the invention of dance music when Jesus managed to turn two three-minute songs into a five-hour trance house marathon. Uh, it's also um, 150 years since the 25th of January 1871 when Elvis Presley faked his own birth, uh, beginning a long tradition of faking his entry and exit into the living realm. Uh, no one noticed at the time and the king of rock and roll quietly waited until 1935 before a second uh, more successful effort to uh, to fake his own birth. Um, as always, a section of the bugle is going straight in the bin. Uh, this week, gardening we look at the latest trends in wireless plants, 3D shrubs and vegan mud uh, involving no worms, grubs, insects or bacteria. Uh, we ask shovel or hand grenade how to choose which garden implement uh, to re-landscape your plot. And are dandelions triffids an investigative feature examining whether if you leave dandelions to grow uncut for more than 20 years, they eventually turn into the fictitious mobile carnivorous plants that cause such havoc in John Wyndham's novel The Day of the Triffids. We also review the new album by the Hardy Perennials, a band who use only repeatedly flowering plants as instruments and write songs about window boxes using the words of novel writing celebrity Thomas Hardy. Uh, also in the bin uh, we have a film promo um, a uh, well there's a forthcoming uh, tech reboot of a 1980s action movie uh, Hologrambo um, <laughs> and we give you now a free audio hologram of Sylvester Stallone. There we are. There he was asleep. Uh, those sections in the bin. Top story this week, Joe Biden launches an ambitious bid for the most ridiculous retirement project ever undertaken by a 78-year-old man. Um, it's, uh, well, exciting times, NATO. Uh, Joe Biden, uh, President uh, number 46, counting the two Grover Clevelands. Now, I, I, I made a joke on uh, the news quiz last week about how uh, Biden had become the 45th adult to be President of the United States. And someone on Twitter pointed out that uh, there have actually only been 45 different presidents because Grover Cleveland served twice. But actually, as all Americans know, the second of those two Grover Cleveland terms 
was served by a Grover Cleveland impersonator. So the joke stands. But who was also a baby, if, if history <laughs> serves. Who was indeed a baby. Um, I mean, this is a big thing to take on for a man of Biden's age. I remember when my granddad retired, he disappeared into his loft, saying, I may be some time. And he emerged six years later, having invented the Macarena, speaking fluent Sumerian and brandishing a giant mechanical terrapin with the words, don't ask. Uh, how do you think Biden is... Uh, is going to take this on at, at 78. Uh, well, I mean, the thing, Andy, about where we are in, in the, the American story is that the bar is, could not possibly be set lower. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, at the moment, uh, for what Biden needs to do. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's like, it's been almost a week. Uh, since the inauguration without any, any reporter having to utter the words, uh, in a flurry of 5 a.m. tweets lashing out at enemies. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, we, we, are already, we're already up, uh, out ahead. Um, and I have to say, watching the inauguration last week, um, Andy, you're about the same age as I am. And, and I realized that I had watching the inauguration uh, happen, that I had a deep-seated, visceral, lizard brain PTSD that I did not know that I had, <laughs> which was of the Challenger exploding. Um, so I was uh, what on live television, which I was in. I was in elementary school at the time, and I watched the Challenger explode on live television. And I spent the entire day watching the inauguration, being afraid that some school teacher was about to die in a ball of fire. <laughs> and then uh, realizing that that was not happening was a huge relief. <laughs> you know how, like, sometimes you're in a place and there's an annoying noise and you're like, well, it's an annoying noise. And then the annoying noise stops and you realize that you've had a headache for four years. Uh, <laughs> and then it stopped. Like, it's just, it, uh, it's so weird to be an American right now. People are walking around just calling each other, being like, I'm not terrified for two seconds, <laughs> for a few minutes. Uh, what does it feel like? You know, it's, Biden went on the news and said, we're in a national emergency and it's time we treated it like one. And when he said national emergency, he wasn't referring to reporters asking questions or the biggest, the biggest infectious outbreak was women having ideas. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yes, you know, I hate all politicians. Biden is shit. I already hate him. I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, you know, Biden has done some good stuff this week, but like also why are there still prisons? F him. You know what I mean? <laughs> but when I think back on the last four years, like this, on this day, 2017, I was protesting. On this day, 2018, I was living in Cuba. We didn't talk about that. On this day, 2019, uh, I was protesting. On this day, 2020, I was protesting. On this day, 2021, just went for a walk. Uh, <laughs> it's very weird. <laughs> <laughs> like at the moment I'm savoring it uh like one of the executive orders let me just read you the text uh directs the Department of Education and Health and Human Services to provide guidance for safely reopening and operating schools childcare providers and institutions of higher education it's exciting it's so exciting <laughs> It, it feels like, imagine that at the end of Avengers Endgame, there was a 30-minute scene of Bruce Banner quietly collating paperwork, and it was the most exciting part of the movie. <laughs> 
Uh, Nish, I mean, the, the omens are good as the, as the 46th president, uh, of course, because uh, England's 46th cricket captain, mm. Len Hutton, was one of the most successful England captains <laughs> of all time. So, I mean, it does look auspicious uh, for Biden. And I, I mean, I've been slightly disappointed so far that he hasn't already started chiselling away at Mount Rushmore, not only with his own <laughs> face, but also with the faces of the first 44 presidents, excluding the four who are already there, and two Grover Clevelands, just just for the sake of having a giant Rushmore with all of them, apart from the uh, recently uh, departed uh, Mr. Trump. Well, listen, I think um, Biden's address was ultimately a total f***ing failure because he did not have the guts to do what he should have done, which is open the address by saying, well, that was f- King weird. <laughs> I mean, I mean it that was, was a subtext, so fucking weird. Oh my god, it was weird. He's such a weird guy, and he was so weird. And the things he said were weird, and the things he did were weird. Um, it was a, a, you know, it was a, like NATO. I was watching it, being like, "Oof, what is going to happen?" Because no offense to ever, anyone on this call, I have no confidence in white people. And so I, <laughs> I had no idea what one of these fucking white Al-Qaeda dickheads was going to try. Luckily, the biggest story appeared to be Bernie Sanders being sat down in a coat, <laughs> uh, which is a real, like, that's a real win for everybody that that was the biggest thing everyone was taking away. The biggest scandal appeared to be a moment when somebody in the background was filming on an iPad. And to those people, I say this, that is Kamala Harris's fault. And it's your fault for electing Kamala Harris, because if you don't want someone filming an event on an iPad, you shouldn't have elected someone with South Asian family. That's what we do. <laughs> that is what we do. Um, there was, it was great to see, uh, you know, so many of the figures from my childhood, be they Bill Clinton or JLo, who I consider both to be <laughs> as equally influential on the development of the American project. Uh, JLo performed a, a song. Uh, she performed a, a bit of This Land Is Your Land, um, which is a song uh, written by Woody Guthrie. Um, and Woody Guthrie really has not engaged with the current spirit of bipartisanship and cooperation in America because Woody Guthrie was a folk singer who famously performed with a guitar that had the words, this machine kills fascists written on it. Now, come on, Woody. Where's your sense of cooperation? Why didn't your guitar say, this machine seeks bipartisan cooperation with fascists? Come on. Um, so far, uh, the, 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 the big headline so far is that Biden has rejoined the Paris Agreement and the World Health Organization as part of a flurry of executive orders, including one meaning that the Sex and the City reboot will have to feature Samantha or introduce a character with, and I believe this is the exact wording, a commensurate horn. So that'll be very exciting. Um, and, uh, it's a Grisham Senate's... novel, isn't it? The Commensurate. The Commensurate, yes. Yeah, it <laughs> Look, it's becoming increasingly clear that the Biden administration is basically going to try and Elvis Presley slash vanilla ice this shit. Okay? <laughs> They're basically going to take some stuff a black guy did and just do it again in a way that offends fewer white people because the person doing it is white. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, 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 it was because I've been living odd hours. I, I got a bit sleepy, NATO during the inauguration. So I, I can't remember. Is it Lady Gaga who's now Secretary of State, or, or Jennifer <laughs> Lopez? I couldn't, I couldn't follow the the narrative of it. Lady, uh, Lady Gaga is uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services now. All oh, right, okay, good. Um, uh, 
I mean, actually, just minutes before we started recording, I don't know if you saw this, that the news came across that uh, Biden had issued another executive order reversing Trump's ban on transgender people serving in the military, uh, which was something that was uh, that uh, was an Obama era policy that Trump uh, uh, undid because uh, and now Biden is bringing it back because he believes that transgender people deserve to die too um, so, uh, uh, and um yeah i mean i i, I uh, agree with nish about how weird uh trump i mean it's hard it's hard to fathom how like he's horrible but also f***ing stupid um like that that you know there was a headline i just I, I read it yesterday in the guardian that trump is plotting his revenge on republicans who wronged him and in the course of the story they disclosed that someone had to tell him uh, after he after he had been president of the united states for 4 years presiding over some of the most intense partisanship in the history of partisanship someone still had to tell him that uh, that running a primary challenge and starting a third party were incompatible activities. Uh, <laughs> that you can't do both at the same time. He's a f***ing idiot. And for all of the Trump was a fascist talk, what's remarkable is how quickly he can be undone. Like, most of his enduring legacy is going to be right-wing judge judicial appointees, which is bad. And that's why there are now calls for Democrats to pack the courts tighter than a Mexico City bus uh, at rush hour. But a lot of the bad stuff that he did was just ex these executive orders that Biden can undo them. Like, and he's just running down the list, undoing Trump executive orders. This this weekend, uh, my family, we drove somewhere and we got out of the car and I said, and my wife had been driving and I said, I looked at the car and I said, honey, it looks like you drove through poop and now there's poop all over the tires of the car. And she looked at me like I was an idiot and she said, it's f***ing poop. These are tires. Poop rolls on, poop rolls off. And that <laughs> is basically what's happening with Trump's contribution to American government. <laughs> I mean, fundamentally, his first few days in office, all Joe Biden has done is just absolutely hammered the control and Z keys on the Oval Office computer. <laughs> um, he's uh, issued executive orders uh, regarding minimum wage, assistance for people struggling to pay for food, speeding up America's COVID response, rejoining international organizations, working against gender and sexuality-based discrimination, and planning for a recovery from the virus that benefits all of America rather than just billionaires. So depending on your political view, these are either acts of good sense and basic humanity or the out-and-out -out unfettered communism we were all warned about. I mean, you might as well have dug up Stalin America, pumped him full of caffeine, wired him up to Google Translate and let him turn Alaska into a poets and artists only prison camp. You fools. You were warned. <laughs> the Senate is going to press on with um, the impeachment charges against Trump. And look, I guess in many ways, it's not a surprise that an administration fronted by a game show host and based exclusively on the ideas of no tax and white people are best is devolving <laughs> into absolute chaos. And the thing that America needed to learn from Britain is if you want to get a government across whose only policies are no tax and white people are best, you don't get a game show host you get a frequent game show guest. That's the mistake you made, America. God, you were so close to getting it over the line. <laughs> Fools. We the, left it all on the field. That's what Trump said. We left it all on the field. Like a 
herd of cows. <laughs> the it's it's interesting to watch the Republicans try to adapt to this post-Trump era because, like the you know the same people who have been uh, stoking the flames of of white nationalism and uh, who literally you know just uh, just mere weeks ago incited an armed insurrection to overthrow our democracy are now like. You know, it just feels like they're going they're going into their into into the deep cuts. They're trying to dust off the oldies but goodies and do their greatest hits again and be like, you know, oh, that wasn't us. It's now it's time to unify and move forward. Now, after we have, you know, had uh, cancerous diarrhea down your throat for four years, <laughs> we would like to reach across the aisle and uh, move forward together. Just Heimlich that cancerous <laughs> diarrhea back out yeah. of America's throat. So, so it's it's just like they're just running down the list of like trying things like uh, uh, gay marriage, uh, culture war, uh, the deficit. Anyone, anyone to be to people to be able to remember my greatest hits. Um, uh, what about what about you know? Uh, uh, they're now they're they're worried about cancel culture. Uh, and it's pretty exciting to watch people worry about cancel culture on the national news. Um, and the most remarkable thing about it is that C-SPAN, if you watch the Republicans, these people who've committed their lives to the superiority of the white race cannot put, figure out how to put on a mask properly. <laughs> they all, everyone, the, they have the mask below the nose. They just, it's the basic, it's the basic below the nose error. Every single one of them, it's hard to take them seriously because all you can think about is how they have a mask with all the snot on the outside. <laughs> Listen, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If Brad Pitt was to talk to me about white people being genetically superior, that is a conversation I'm willing to have. But unfortunately, <laughs> it's just a bunch of scurvy-faced motherfuckers. Like, no one is going to look at Ted Cruz and think, well, that is obviously the peak of humanity. <laughs> it looks like a hamburger someone's drawn eyes and a face on. <laughs> but I, I guess, you know, there, there's a danger with, uh, you know, I mean, there's a lot of expectations now on Biden. And I, I guess it's kind of easy to dampen expectations because, uh, you know, whilst America no longer has a president who seems an intent on inflicting passive genocide on it, the <laughs> pandemic is still a long way from tearfully announcing its retirement, hanging up its protein spikes and quietly moving on to the lucrative corporate speech circuit. Uh, with its uh, How I Conquer the World Through Exploiting International Discord and Frailties could become a keynote lecture in big business circles. But anyway, it's, it's a, lot of, a lot of difficulty and those expectations are going to be dampened. But it, I don't think it's possible to dampen the absolutely wild relative lack of despair. I don't think you can possibly <laughs> dampen that. Um, I really... Uh, the the big thing that I regret is that when Biden finished his inauguration speech, he didn't go full Mission Impossible and just tear off his mask. And it turned out it was Obama again. <laughs> and he finished the inauguration speech by saying... I'm back. It's Britney, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing we do need to, to wrap up from the, the Andy, Trump. Nish yeah. is referring to Britney Spears. Uh, right, okay. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to have to look that up afterwards. Um, Not the region in France. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
Uh, clearly, I mean, Trump spent his last few days very much as you'd, uh, you, you would have expected, um, just issue, issuing presidential pardons, basically legalizing crime, boosting prospects for a catastrophically deadly famine in Yemen, and being institutionally childish towards his, uh, his successor, uh, before uh, flouncing off with the good grace of a screaming three-year-old who's just lost past the parcel at his own birthday party for the <laughs> second year in a row. Um, and these pardons, 143 last minute pardons, party, 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 all the way. The going rate apparently is around $2 million, according to some reports which mention the name of Rud- Rudolf Giuliani, um, the man best known for sweating pure liquid evil down his face a few weeks ago. Uh, t- two million bucks. That seems, that seems like quite a good deal, isn't it? I mean, as the old song goes, I beg your pardon. And I also promise you $2 million in the White House Rose Garden. Um, yeah, that's my kind of cultural reference. Um, <laughs> But the, the final totalizer on Trump's lies in office, according to the Washington Post, Trump lie uh, scoreboard, in which they keep keeping track of every uh, false and misleading statement he's made in his various formats since he became president. 30,573 lies in total in, in four years. I mean, that, that is a number that will surely live for all it's, it's like don bradman's 99.94 <laughs> batting average that is never going to be broken I mean, some records are meant to be broken others are, others are destined to last for all time most dinosaurs eaten in a year that's not going to be broken uh, most women slept with whilst pope that's unlikely to go i mean some pretty high bars were set back in the day and modern popes don't really even seek to challenge uh, those marks particularly hard uh, most wives executed whilst english monarch again it's going to be difficult to beat that but trump's lie count as president, I mean, I can imagine another president being, being, uh, you know, not particularly truthful a lot of the time. I can imagine another president telling even bigger and more lethal lies individually, but I can't imagine anyone having the sheer bullshit stamina, the <laughs> dedication, the twenty-four-seven, three-six-five work ethic to come close to thirty thousand five hundred and seventy-three lies in a single presidential term. That works out at around about one lie every 16 working minutes, assuming an eight-hour day, five days a week, 50 weeks a year, which I don't think Trump ever came anywhere near. That's one every 16 minutes. That is, that's impressive. There's quite an extraordinary interview uh, in the New York Times with um, with old Dr. Fauci, who, for the, the last uh, year and a half, has had, I'd say, the worst job in the Western world. Like, <laughs> has had an absolute shit show of a job. Um, and Fauci... Well, he did of, make a Faucian bargain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'll see myself out. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've heard any of the other episodes of this podcast, NATO, but I believe you can see yourself very much in. <laughs> um, he um, he talks a lot about receiving death threats, how his family have been on the end of various threats, because uh, and and his sort of fractious at times relationship with the former president. Uh, and the last question of the interview, uh, the interviewer says, "Do you think Donald Trump costs the country tens or hundreds of thousands of lives?" And Fauci says, I can't comment on that. People always ask that. And making the direct connection that way, it becomes very damning. I just want to stay away from that. Sorry. And that's a diplomatic answer. But crucially, what he hasn't said there is, no, he didn't. Because (laughs) the answer to that question, if you're Donald Trump, should very much be like the answer to the question, did you take a shit in my sink when you were around my house last time? And you want that answer to be, absolutely not. Why would you even say that? But if somebody responds to that question with, I'd rather not comment. You definitely, <laughs> you definitely shout the sink. 
I would like to ask the Bugle's indulgence because now that Trump is out of office, I have uh, one last Trump joke from my stand-up act okay. that, yes. I, that must be retired. This is like a f***ing Western. I love it. So, <laughs> so I would like to deliver this joke for the last time okay. so I can fully uh, uh, expunge and extirpate the demons. Uh, it, and it is as follows. Uh, as I mentioned... Uh, my family and I, we lived in Cuba for a time during the Trump regime. And it one, one day I was standing on the, on the beach with my daughter, blonde, uh, innocent, white sands, pristine turquoise water, looking out onto the horizon. And she turned to me, unprompted, apropos of nothing, and said, Daddy, you know the Cuban Revolution? And I said, yes. And she said, let's go back to America and do that to Donald Trump. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, good girl. That's right. Yes. Now, remind me, what kind of family are we? And she said, we're kind, Daddy. And I said, yes, we are. And what does our family always do? And she said, we attack the enemy's supply line. (laughs) That's what our family does. (laughs) We surround Mar-a-Lago, cut off the supply of chicken tenders, and the regime will fall. (laughs) Sometimes they're jokes, and sometimes they're practical hints for revolution, and I need my audiences to leave the show knowing how to properly lay a siege. Well, an honourable burial for for a a Trump joke. Um, It's the closest the bugle will get to a Viking funeral. (laughs) Just watching the joke float out. Have you got any particular Trump Trump gags you're going to miss? No, I mean, I, 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 to be quite honest with you, I'm, I, I, I feel like I've Viking burialed all of them already. I feel like I'd emotionally said goodbye to Donald Trump when he lost the election. (laughs) <laughs> and then it's just been since then it's just been a, a fun game of will the United States fall into fascism? A format I am making available to any commissioners that are looking for it. I will work for anyone. I will take down another app, so help me God. <laughs> Netflix, come on. I can take you down. I know you're a big fish, but I can take you down. With my game show format, will America fall into fascism? I don't think you want to totally take him down. Like, if you're going to bury him, I think you need to leave a tiny bit of him just above the surface. So I watched Home Alone like, 2. Like, sm- like smallpox, where they keep a tiny <laughs> bit in a test tube. Just I mean, that, that's a good comparison. <laughs> but, like, so I, I watched Home Alone 2 with my six-and-a-half-year-old daughter for the first time this weekend. And I warned her, like, she already knows who and what Trump is and was. And I warned her that it was coming and he was going to be there on screen. And... So little Kevin McAllister walks through the lobby into the Plaza Hotel. He sees Donald Trump and spontaneously the whole family pantomime style started booing. It was fantastic. (laughs) And it's like, you know, there's a lot of people saying that he should be gone from it. He shouldn't be gone. That like that is our panto now is him on screen being jeered at by children. (laughs) Keep it. I don't know. I mean, I'm quite in favour of him being replaced by Christopher Plummer in that film because of the precedent the last time christopher Plummer had to step in it was because of kevin spacey and i mean donald trump's sort of kevin spacey to america <laughs> i think i'll miss my uh the uh the russian doll joke that i had on trump which i've probably done on the beagle before but he was send uh, it off andy come on do it a, one more time an inverse russian doll of country <laughs> every time you think he's reached his limits out pops an even bigger <laughs> And I think I think he I mean, he he saw that right through to 
two weeks before he was de-inaugurated. Um, let's move on to Californian politics, uh, NATO. Uh, you are the Bugles uh, governor of California, um, uh, oh. QAnon, uh, Proud Boys, and anti-vax campaign correspondent rolled into one. So it's been uh, well, it's been a busy week for you. Uh, that's right. So uh, De- Cal- uh, California Democratic Governor Gavin Newsom is facing a recall challenge. And if you don't know him, uh, enjoy yourself. Uh, <laughs> he used to be mayor of San Francisco, so I've had to put up with his bullshit for 20 years. He's the guy who thinks he's Christian Bale as Batman when he's actually Val Kilmer as Batman. Um <laughs> Before he was in politics, he owned a wine bar for men who wore sweater vests, uh, <laughs> and it was called Plump Jack, which I thought was slang for ejaculating from a flaccid penis. Uh, <laughs> and his his first wife was called uh, his first wife was Kimberly Guilfoyle, who is now dating Donald Trump Jr. And uh, real ones will remember a photo shoot they did in 2004 for the magazine Harper's Bazaar. And if you haven't Google it, please. Uh, because the, there was a photo shoot that compares them to John and Jackie Kennedy and shows them in formal attire lying down on an expensive rug in a mansion wearing an evening gown whilst, I must reiterate, lying down <laughs> is the very definition of all dressed up and nowhere to go. They are lying in the same pose that my children use when they are lying on the floor in pajamas reading comic books, but they look like they were tuckered out from a hard day's work evicting the poors. <laughs> if you looked up the word decadence in the dictionary, you would see this picture. The picture looks like a glossy brochure, brochure advertising guillotines. Now, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Newsom was handling the pandemic pretty well and just following the... F- science is that so much to ask until he stopped uh first to slow the spread he called for an overnight curfew which was not the problem at all the evidence is that the big spreaders are unmasked people in indoors and traveling uh not telling people they can't go out at night when all the night shit is closed anyway a nighttime curfew curfew to stop covid is like telling me i'm not allowed to poop right after i finish pooping so um uh, and then on top of that, uh, uh, in November, he went around scolding people for gathering indoors without masks on and then proceeded to gather indoors without masks on. Uh, <laughs> he attended a dinner party at a restaurant called French Laundry, which is neither French nor a laundry, but has, <laughs> I think, 11 Michelin stars. It costs 350 American dollars to eat there. I would love to eat there someday. And I would do it if I were the governor, and I could do it without remembering that possibly 200,000 residents of my state were on the cusp of facing eviction, and I had the power to do something and was choosing not to. Um, but the poached medallion of yellowtail with whimsical sunchokes, the amuse-bouche, is your bouche fully amused? Then your money back. How can I think about your stupid rent when there are truffles on everything? Uh, and by the way, like the approach to the COVID, uh, man- managing COVID, it, like they change the rules so quickly and arbitrarily, it feels like they're using a magic eight ball. Like the numbers go up and we lock down and the numbers go down for 10 seconds and then we open up again. It's like they're trying to manage COVID using the rhythm method. And <laughs> surprise, surprise, it's not working. Uh, Anyway, now Newsom is facing a recall campaign instigated by the Proud Boys and Republicans and QAnon anti-vaxxers. Not so much a who's who as a, as a goof stew. Look, <laughs> I, 
I can't really, I couldn't be bothered to uh, write a punchline to that. I felt like there was a better punchline there waiting for me. And listeners, if you know what that joke wanted to be, please feel free to email me at subcommandantenato at the bugle podcast <laughs> dot, dot gov. Um, uh, American dot gov. Oh, that's exciting. Dot gov. Ameri- <laughs> American comedy fans will recognize that joke writing technique as what we call kindling. Kindling in reference to the comedian Anley Kindler, where, where the punchline is that you couldn't f***ing be bothered to write a punchline. Anyway, the best part of the Newsom recall campaign is that the campaign is being ma- managed by an eyepatch wearing veteran political consultant named, I shit you not, Randy Economy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Which is something Trump hopes would do, would take him to success in the presidential election, ironically, isn't it? Is it too on the nose for Republican concerned about loss of commerce due to COVID restrictions to be named literally horny for the free market? <laughs> no, it's not. It can't be his real name. No. <laughs> That I refuse. That's the name of a, a porno written by Milton Friedman. I refuse to believe <laughs> that yeah. that is a real man. His it is his real. You can look him up. You can watch his his live stream. You could there. Uh, he go to his website. His campaign team also incur includes thirsty profit accumulation, uh, <laughs> tumescent visible hand, and Bill Cosby. So. <laughs> I, I read this article, uh, and they were, and uh, about the recall campaign and all, and the reporters were just going through it, da, 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 you know, reciting the facts, the who, what, when, where, and then they got to Randy Economy. And I do not believe that the entire LA Times writers room did not shit themselves laughing <laughs> when they got to Randy Economy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'll just have a quick look through the uh, latest Brexit food-related headlines. Um, in the aftermath of Brexit, trading meat has become a nightmare, claim businesses. In the aftermath of Brexit, trading fish has become a nightmare, claim businesses. In the aftermath of Brexit, trading organic produce has become a nightmare, claim businesses. In the aftermath of Brexit, trading wine has become a nightmare, claim businesses. In the aftermath of Brexit, trading nibbly snacks has become a nightmare, claim businesses. Uh, and in the aftermath of Brexit, trading f***ing anything has become a nightmare, claim businesses. We should give some uh, some balance from uh, more pro-Brexit uh, uh, newspapers as well. Um, bread legal again after Brexit overturns non-existent EU ban. Um, f*** off and brew your own cider, Prime Minister tells UK wine merchants. <laughs> Who needs food when you have freedom, um, <laughs> barks Rob. Uh, Union Jack Radish surprises salad eating granny. Potato becomes magic after meeting queen. And Brits invented food, claims uh, Stonehenge archaeologists. So, you know, I guess it just depends which newspapers you read. But everyone, don't worry, because the government has really snapped into action and declared a war on woke. This was a heavily trailed new policy uh, that was in the some of the conservative papers over the weekend. Uh, it's a war on woke. Uh, they're going to be uh, renaming streets after Victoria Cross heroes uh, and protecting our culture and the country's, you know. And it, I'm glad that they've declared a war on woke and not a war on everyone dying. Because, as I've always said, from the beginning, better to be dead than to make even largely superficial concessions to anti-racism. My great-grandfather did not personally dab acid on Hitler's dickhole to be told that he couldn't say Paki, okay? (laughs) 
Thank God this government has abandoned getting a good Brexit deal or stopping everyone from dying. And instead is going to say things like, we've declared a war on woke. That is what we voted for. <laughs> what a bunch of f***ing c***s. And for balance, uh, not c***s. <laughs> <laughs> Genocide news now, and um, (laughs) (laughs) wow, you really delivered that with a fun and finally tone in your voice, Andrew. (laughs) The uh, and lighter news. The the British government has uh, defended uh, spoken like a Jew. (laughs) (laughs) uh, That's my new podcast, by the way. The British government has uh, defended its right to trade with uh, genocidal countries this week following a challenge from uh, conservative backbenchers, including the much and rightly maligned Ian Duncan Smith, uh, that um, uh, wanted to make the UK the first country in the world to be able to uh, determine uh, which countries are committing genocide in its own domestic uh, courts. Now, um, Parliament voted against this proposal. Uh, so we can, fortunately, now still trade with genocidal uh, countries. And this really highlights the fact that basically no country has a regulation like this, that ethics and international trade uh, have often gone together like a horse and a rocket launch, um, <laughs> in that they are mostly uh, kept as far apart as possible, and if they ever do meet, the former is generally going to do a much... Uh, the former is going to do uh, much worse than the latter. Now... Obviously, letting the courts decide on international legal matters is the wrong way to go about it. I think we need to, you know, we're democracies and we should put it to the public vote and have a phone vote on whether the people of Britain think that a potential trade partner is or is not committing genocide. A simple phone line call 0800 4366 and press one for genocide, two for no, it's just a bit of <laughs> ethno-religious horseplay, three for we really need that trade deal and four for oh seriously come on have you seen how much oil they've got and you know just democratize it and uh, get it all above board and nato i know you're a, a huge fan of uh, trading with as many genocidal countries as, as humanly possible <laughs> well so i i was curious about why this issue was coming up in yeah. the uk in the uk and i don't know that much about the history of the uk and uh and i read that the i read the in the coverage that the british government is deeply concerned about curtailing genocide so i typed into google british genocide and my friends at google autofill suggested the following options british genocide of irish british genocide of india british genocide of kenya british genocide of iran british genocide of australia british genocide of bengal british genocide of boers british genocide of tasmania so if I understand correctly, the British don't like anyone else doing the genocide. Um, <laughs> uh, I read that the 1943 Bengal famine killed up to 3 million people because of Churchill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I, if the law had been passed, it would have required the UK to stop trading with the UK, um, <laughs> which would have been quite a challenge. Um, and, and this is, this, uh, debate was about the genocide currently underway being committed by China. And I think we can all agree that genocide is very bad and we should oppose it at every turn unless doing so would stop us from getting the newest iPhone. Because how <laughs> can genocide and TikTok exist in the same place and time? <laughs> Say what you will about Britain through the ages, NATO, but we sure put the I into genocide. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do it. Okay, and voting through this bill would have been tremendous hypocrisy on our part. It would have been, it's tremendously hypocritical of us to suddenly take an anti position on genocide, (laughs) given some of our work in the field in the past. (laughs) 
Well, on that happy note, um, we uh, we should end this week's bugle since we've uh, <laughs> overrun, and uh, I, I'm now, as I said, hallucinating cricket scores. Uh, so. <laughs> Um, we were going to talk a little bit about the situation in Russia, but frankly, the world is, it's already, we've just finished with genocide and I'm not sure I can take, uh, anything even more depressing. So yeah. um, we'll come back to that. Uh, also, you know, say what you will about Vladimir Putin and he will try and murder you. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is, uh, 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 the only jokes I want to tell about that guy are, Hey, have you ever noticed how p- peaceful he is? What a cool guy. <laughs> No poisoning for me, please. Uh, that's the top-selling uh, Russian podcast at the moment. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, on the subject of uh, podcasts, today is the uh, marks the 131st anniversary of the return to New York of the pioneering travel journalist Nellie Bly, who completed her round-the-world trip in uh, a then-record 72 days. And she did so without posting a single selfie on social media, <laughs> would you believe, uh, young people watch and learn. Um, now, by happy coincidence, her spiritual descendants, uh, producer Chris from The Bugle and Richie Firth, have a new season of the Travel Hacker podcast coming out. Now, uh, Chris, tell me how much you were inspired by Nellie Bly's exploits in uh, 1890. One of the things I like about her is that uh, when it was discovered that she was going to do it in tribute to Jules Verne, um, she was setting a competition against Elizabeth Bisland. And the challenge was, who's going to be the fastest woman around the world? And not only did Nellie Bly win, she said throughout, this is bullshit. It's not a race. I'm not racing you. But by the way, I won. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fantastic. She also did it. She left, uh, she, she had no time to plan. She left basically in the clothes she was in, a sturdy overcoat. <laughs> she t- And she took pants, toiletries, and some cash wrapped in a chain around her neck. And that was it. <laughs> 72 days around the world. Right. Well, that's a lot of pants. I don't achieve that in this podcast uh, <laughs> because uh, we're not allowed to travel anywhere. So it's just me and Richie fantasizing about traveling places. <laughs> uh, but we did do we actually we did do one real season where we actually travelled the world and we uh, and we failed drastically every episode. So please do listen to hear me fail. <laughs> did you know that she's buried in the uh, same cemetery as Elizabeth Bisland's The Woman She Beat? God, that is a lovely story of corpses. Yeah. Um, <laughs> pneumonia. They both died of oh. in their fifties. Right. <laughs> Can I can I raise the tone anymore? That is sounding like a sitcom waiting to happen. Back um, to genocide. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> NATO, anything to uh, to, to plug? Uh, you know, follow me at NATO Green on Twitter, Mr. NATO Green on Instagram. I have some albums out that you can get wherever you download or stream albums. But if you do, if you were so inclined, please purchase them on Bandcamp because that's where the artists make the most money. Uh, Nish, any uh, any shows to tell people about? No, I'm just plugging good vibes, baby. All right, just plugging, just plug. Awesome. I'm just plugging Brexit. I'm right. just plugging. Britain's open. I'm plugging post Brexit Britain. We're open, guys, and we will trade. And I cannot stress this enough with f-ing anyone. <laughs> ISIS, do you want hats? We are open. North Korea, are you guys looking for a, a line of personally branded cod pieces? Britain is open. Um. Well, thank you for listening, uh, Buglers. We'll be back uh, next week. Um, uh, you can uh, hear me on the, the news quiz on uh, Radio 4 uh, for the next few weeks. Uh, I also did Mark Maron's WTF podcast last week. That should be available. Um, 
Uh, that was a pretty extraordinary day, Andy. That, for right. me, was the uh, equivalent of the scene in Heat when Robert De Niro meets Al Pacino, but for <laughs> Jewish comedy podcasters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes, uh, so that's uh, that's available also on the internet. Uh, and uh, well, that's it. We're done. I'm going to go get some sleep. Thank you for listening. We'll be back uh, next week. Goodbye. Hi, it's producer Chris from the Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss Lime Bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.